Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, that's my shit together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Hey, haven't heard, haven't seen anybody for a while. Feels good to be back on the air and Maddie 100%, uh, even though it's freezing outside. S&P futures up 8, NASDAQ futures up 47, Dow futures up 11. So, so how crazy is it to miss, miss Maddie? What do you think, uh, Kevin? I'm sorry, who? Miss Maddie, yeah, who? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Anyway, uh, hey, I'll tell you. You know, Wednesday morning, I was I was getting all ready to say, "So, you saved the first show of the year for me." Yeah, well, <laughs> turns well, out, yeah, you still did. We still did. <laughs> the, uh, of course, it's not like we have anything to talk about this week. You know, nothing's happened, right? Yeah, got uh, we got everybody, everybody in the sports world dying. We got How about them bears, huh? Yeah. Oh no, we're not talking about them. Huh? No, well, we're going to talk about. Uh, well, at some point. We'll talk about what exactly does a coaching change bring, except two more years that the fans give you to bring another team, and then you say, well, the new coach kind of sucks, and you go... Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And, uh, whatever it takes. Although, you know, there, I, I did hear an opinion expressed somewhere along the way, and, and I don't remember where I heard it, um, but, you know, someone saying, look, they, they want funding for this big new palace they want to build out in the suburbia, and they're going to need... Uh, to be to actually be good if they want want that kind of goodwill. Well, I have. Uh, it's it's amazing to me how the uh, I don't know, Kevin. As you know, my 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 whole well, I was on the trading floor for twenty years, so I invested on my own, but and had people working for me there, and I've been managing money for people for you know since then, in a long time, and you you get a feeling of of how people are. Uh, you know, you get, well, you certainly get a feeling how people are in a trading pit when you see people have bad days and good days and how they react to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you, you definitely can, your, your, your read of body language gets pretty good. Let's put it that way. But when you talk to clients over a long period of time, you, you talk to basically hundreds and hundreds of people over a period of years and you, and you, you know, you get, you get a feel for where they're coming from. It's almost like you're a, you know, you're somewhat of a doctor and, 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 and leopards don't change their spots, as my mother used to say. I mean, people that are somewhat conservative want you to be conservative, be protected, and so forth. And there's other people that just want to, if they hear of a stock going up, they just they don't care if they're even if they're 90 years old. They want to they want to be in that stock. I mean, that's not what I want to do for people, so I don't do that. It's not like if somebody gets a name they want and it's their money, we don't do something. But I always make sure it's the it's the appropriate size for what basically is a bet, right? So if somebody with a million dollar account wants to do something, you know, that, you know <clears throat> a little more risky, I'll find a way to do it for you know a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks, but only because they want to do it, 
You know, it, you know, it's just not appropriate to put, you know, 200000 of somebody's retirement money in the next XYZ. Even if one of the 20 XYZs end up being a good one, it's just, all I worry about is, is the bad ones. Anyway, but the, the bears have been, I mean, I've been, <laughs> you and I, I mean, my uncles were fanatic bear fans, right? And I, you know, uh, because one of my uncles played 12 years professional football and he played against the Bears, you know, but they were football nuts. And, uh, my one uncle used to, re- he used to, uh, repair or install printing presses, you know, that take months and months to put in. And there was a place out in California and he loved it. He, he stayed at a motel, probably wasn't even a nice hotel, right near the Coliseum. And in those days he could go, he'd finish work on Friday, he'd see UCLA play on Friday night. See USC play on Saturday and the Rams play on Sunday. It was like it was like the guy died and went to heaven. I mean, it, but the but the thing with the bear the bear family. Well, think think back, everybody think back. There has been more g- football games, National Football League games, played in Wrigley Field than any other place except the Meadowlands. And I think Lambeau now, probably Lambeau now, and. uh Actually, you know, I'm not sure about that. Well, probably. Yeah, I think Lambo's. They might have passed them because they no. because they used to play after games in uh, in Milwaukee. That's why they were so behind Wrigley Field. But anyway, you're right, right, Maddie. But and then they moved to Soldier Field. the The family has never owned anything. All they've done is pay minimal rent to somebody for these games. I'm not saying in the '60s and the '50s it wasn't the right. I'm not saying it's not the right idea today. What I'm saying is that the the family pays six and a half million dollars in rent, and the the, the revenue. It's got to be. I bet the t- I bet the family makes a hundred million bucks after all the all the all the, the the God knows what they do are being paid a salary by the organist by the Bears. All the all the kids and everybody are all getting paid something. I think. Okay, so now you're you're telling me. I had this discussion with Audrey this weekend. She's like, "Well, they, that's what they can do with that place. They can have gambling. They can have concerts. That odd. If if the guy in in, in Dallas." All in, he's in for about a billion three for that place, and he put up probably six or seven hundred million of it. All right, now the guys in uh, what are the guys in uh, Vegas and L.A. Maybe they're three for those places. Three bill, it's up. It's way higher than Dallas. L.A. Like, was the highest so far. Uh, I'll look up how much it was all in, but I think it was around three. Yeah, yeah, I think it's around three. So, so now you got Arlington Park. The place is un. It, it is not that these other places weren't. But it's totally unimproved, except for the grandstand, and maybe there's water out where the, where the horses are in the, in the stall. There's no, there's no, no sewerage. There's no anything there. It's, it's a track. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying. So, well, but there's lots of places, places to uh, store horse poop, and yeah. you know that's that makes it ready for the bears. Well, but my point is, I'm way too long into this. Let's say that if they do this Taj Mahal kind of place everybody's talking about, um, let's say it's four. All right, now these interest rates, as anybody's noticed in the last few days since we haven't been on the air, have been creeping up, not just creeping up, they've been jumping up. Okay, so let's say, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the Bears can, even with all the tricks they'll play with the state money and everything else, let's say a flat-out investment is they, they're going to pay four. All right, so if the interest rate's five, which is probably low for something like that, uh, especially by the time they get it going, can you imagine that family... Starting the year, writing out a two hundred million dollar interest check when they pay six now and have rented for their entire life. You might have to get new leadership or something. I don't care. I mean, my nephews tell me my buddies in the in a, in a concert business they can have concerts. 
okay, Tim, <laughs> they can have concerts at Soldier Field now. They don't get the money. The reason why I don't get because they don't get the money. I said, of course they don't get the money. They don't own the place. Why? Why would they get the money? What's the matter with you? I mean, they, why? Why would a renter get the dough? What do you know? That's the why they they're not going to be a renter anymore. By the way, SoFi actually cost uh, construction costs. Uh, it says uh, plus, including development, between five and six billion for SoFi Stadium, the well, new Los Angeles Rams slash Chargers Stadium. Gee. Okay, well, so I'm being conservative with the four. So let's say four. So does anybody? Any so what, what's five percent of? Four billion dollars is two hundred million bucks, right? So, I mean, does anybody really think? I mean, how many concerts do you need to make one hundred twenty million dollars at? I mean, like a real lot of them. So, I mean, all I'm saying is the numbers are, are gargantuan. I mean, basically, you need the Beatles to come back to life. Yeah, like every week. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying that it's not like it's a bad. Well, okay, okay, the Beatles, and then you need the Rolling Stones to come back to life. But there are people. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Jones. Is the kind yeah, of guy? Joke. Yeah, I know. I know. Let it fly by. Oh, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> but Jerry Jones is the kind of a guy that has the wherewithal and he has the the, the life the life history of doing something like that. The Bear family does not. No, no, no. Can they change their spots? I guess. But I, you know, it just seems like it's. I mean, that's a we all we have. How many? It seem more likely that they would sell the team somewhere along the way. I think as soon as uh, Virginia dies, they got a real problem because they don't. This they, is, they may have tax problems, yeah. Well, but they also doesn't uh, doesn't the uh, NFL require that fifty one percent of the team be owned by an individual? Many. I don't know if that's a requirement or not. I haven't heard that. It's you could be right. I, I mean, no I've idea. heard that. I don't know if it's right. I mean, and again, don't don't take that to the bank. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure that's right. I think they. Uh, I, I think, but it has to be. Uh, uh, some kind of uh, partnership or uh, or proprietorship or something like that, um, because I, I believe they uh, and, and I may be wrong about this, but I believe they have managing general partners who are not majority owners. I, and the, um, there is no majority owner. This I should know the answer to this question. Like, but there has to be one person in charge. I think whether I mean, now Reinsdorf does not own fifty one percent of the White Sox, but he absolutely is the managing partner. So however it's set up, he's over 51% of whatever runs the place. Even though I, don't, I think that... Uh, well, I, yeah, if I, if I remember right, this would be, you know, this would probably be a better uh, Brendan or Lou type of question. But if I remember right, the way it works with a general partnership like that is <coughs> that you do have, uh, as part of the partnership agreement, who's going to be the man- managing general partner. That doesn't, they don't have to have a controlling interest. Right. You just have to dissolve the par- partnership to get rid of them. But is it is it clear in the McCaskey family who would, who's next up? The guy who's the general manager, George. I doubt it. I, I doubt it. If you if you go back and look at the Bears, it, you know. Speaking of that, when when was the last time the Bears were truly successful over a period of years? Uh, a period of years. Well, yeah. the eighty the eighty five team. They were the youngest team in football, and they managed to screw that up as fast as they could. But for a while, the yeah. But in the eighties, yeah. yeah. uh, in, in the eighties and into the early nineties, uh, they they were a really good team for a long time, for, for quite a few years. Which is after the Jim what Finks. Did they do? What did they do to achieve that? Well, they hired Jim Finks. They hired Jim Finks, and then they followed it up when uh, Finks decided to leave. Um, they followed it up with uh, Jerry Benici, who did a reasonably good job of. You know, running the organization. Um, so, at the very least, you know, I think the Bears are going to probably need to do something like that, where they 
they really need to bring in somebody who's not named McCaskey to actually run the run the team. But Jim and thinks I'm, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. And, 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 and I don't think that's Ted Phillips. I, you know, they, Ted Phillips can you know can still be um, uh, you know finance guy. He can you know he can be in charge of administration or whatever. But uh, I, I really think you know if the if the Bears want to start building some goodwill, and so we go back and say, yeah, change the coach if you must. Um, but you really, really need to bring in somebody who can actually but run the team. They couldn't wait to get rid of Jim Fink's last name. They couldn't wait to get rid of Fink's. Right? He was gone before the Super Bowl year. They couldn't wait to get rid of him. He was gone before the Super Bowl year. I don't think they, I don't remember the story of his departure. He, they went uh, I, I don't know that there was anything, you know, political about it that, uh, I, I thought he just wanted to go. Uh, well, I think he wanted to go because they didn't, the power they said they were going to give him, they kept, they kept taking back. I think. Well, it could have been. At some point in there, they put Michael McCaskey in, in as president of the team. So I don't remember how that worked. Yeah, it was a, it was a while. Oh, no, I remember how it worked. I don't remember what the setup was with Finks. By, by the way, the uh, the Bears had a a solid run between 2005 and 2012, where they uh, averaged nine and a half wins per season, made two NFC title games, and made a Super Bowl. Um, you know, not not as good as the yeah. They, they were they were almost really good. Yeah, they had you know they had uh, four you know really good teams in that run, and then they had four mediocre teams in that run. Uh, but overall, you know, averaged just under ten wins a game and made a couple deep runs in the playoffs. Uh, also, uh, Virginia McCaskey. It says quick Google search says she owns eighty percent of the team, whereas Jerry Reinsdorf only owns nineteen percent of the White Sox. I, I think uh, I don't I don't think she does. I'm not going to dis- dispute uh, Google search, but because that that whole that whole the reason why she even is in charge is because they had the generation skipping trust. I think the the the, the, gr- the grandkids. I think she votes their stock, but they actually own the stock. Yeah, it just says uh, Virginia Hallis McCaskey owns the actual title of Chicago Bears owner. McCaskey, 98, is the eldest child of former owner George Hallis, who left the team to her when he died in 1983. Her formal title is Secretary of the Board of Directors, but she has control over 80% of the organization. Yeah, she has control. Uh, well, that's, that's what happens when... Uh, yeah, that, that means that uh, um, you know her kids have enough stock instead of Muggs' kids. Right, well, they, they bought Muggs' kids out. Yeah, at some point they they had to because um, Muggs' kids were getting no say into everything. That was you know that was a big thing that you know kind of uh, almost was in the forefront of the news, but never quite got there. Uh, and that was and actually when you know when Muggs um, you know it had uh, passed away early, uh, isn't that what prompted him to bring in uh, Finks? Well, the uh, Patrick Ryan, the famous uh, businessman here that. His name is on, you know, half the building. My, my former boss. Yeah, and he his his name is on everything at Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> their football stadium, their basketball arena, everything. Uh, he owns a large minority stake in the Bears. Um, uh, him and partner Andy McKenna own nineteen point seven percent of the franchise to make up the other twenty percent. Yeah, everybody thinks that those two, but those guys are getting up there. Yeah, I've met yeah, Pat, Pat Ryan. Ryan. I times. mean, I, I go back to the when I worked for Aon for a little while. Um, he was CEO of Aon uh, in the early '80s. Landy well, McKenna is a big Notre Dame. Uh, was he the Tribune? Something. He's he's been a big, big, a, you know, a big successful person in Chicago for a long time. I mean, he's been. 
But uh, this just is a not to go into trust law, which I'm not so good at anyway. But if anybody ever remembers Dan Quayle, the uh, sure, and well, Dan Quayle's uh, father had was he in the printing business? It's some huge deal down in, in Indiana, where hell he was. Was he from Columbus, Indiana, or someplace? But uh, they did one of the first ones that I heard about, the only ones that we got published, where Dan Quayle didn't have, even though his father had a bazillion dollars before everybody had a bazillion dollars, uh, he had one of these generation jumping trusts, where if you leave it to your grandkids, somehow or another, you don't pay anywhere near as much estate tax, which I you know, maybe we should have somebody on someday to explain that, but I'm not the guy. But the, it leaves the person in the middle with a lot of control, but without really any money. Well, that it's not like the guys actually had to get a job to have dinner or nothing like that. But so the, the houses did the same thing. So the person who's in control of the whole mess is the person who's the executor of the will, and, and who's obviously the, the, head, the head of the trust, which was Muggs. But when Muggs died playing racquetball, was it the Union League, Kevin, at age like forty something? Uh, every, everybody down here, my friend Billy, their owner, his dad owned Orlando's and everybody, they all love Muggs. Muggs is one of the nicest people anybody ever met. So Muggs dies, and uh, so now it leaves Ed McCaskey as the second thing. But now all of a sudden, Muggs has three kids, and McCaskey's have, what, nine? So now the McCaskey's are nine-twelfths of the ownership, the kids. Which, so this turned the whole ball around, because Muggs was intended to run the place. And then he dies. Well, now this this will doesn't allow you any kind of flexibility. Now it falls on to Ed McCaskey. And when he died, it became Virginia. Well, it probably was Virginia, but she, some. So that that's how the whole thing got kind of balled up in this generation skipping will. And that's when the when the Hales kids ended up getting bought out for like less money than they bought Jim Fink's out after the Super Bowl. And the kids got totally screwed. And uh, just because they were Muggs' kids, and I don't know if Virginia hated Muggs or Ed McCaskey hated Muggs or what. I think there was something uh, something in there about Muggs' wife, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, not liking her. I, you know, I I don't know. I mean, this is this is you yeah. know the stuff with family businesses all the time, right? The the the, uh, um, the the family dysfunction bleeds into the business. Well, but that's exactly right, and in uh, and, and a lot of businesses in Chicago, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it before, have had. Serious issues. Matter of fact, uh, talk about a dumb story. My, my, uh, well, the people lived two doors away, uh, and I was, you know, good friends with them. My, my brother married one of the girls, the, not exactly the girl next door, two doors down, and uh, but they, they, they were from Eastern Europe, the, the original family, and when when the old man died, he gave the the steel plant, the steel fabricating plant, to the oldest son to run. With nobody else could could say a word. It was his biz to run, and I think if he were to sell it, he had to split it up. But there was no doubt that he was in charge. And I think God, when I, it, when I was young and naive, I said, "How un-American is that?" It sounds like something you do in Eastern Europe, right? Well, now I see these families where the guy puts his business together, and he, and he, and he you know takes care of his family the whole life, and he's got money to it. I'm talking about. Jay's potato chips and Canfields and those kinds of things. Now all of a sudden, the guy dies, and now it, it's left to all the kids. Well, now all of a sudden, somebody swoops in from the outside and says, "I'll give you, you know, twenty million for your place." And the five dopey kids go, "Well, I don't want to work anymore. I'll, I'll take the four. I, I don't want to work, and that'll, that'll tide me over. It'll tide me over. By the sure. way, we don't care about any employees. We don't care about those people. Screw them. So that that's what's happened." In all these places, and, and the Bears are kind of 
not as bad in that. But these are family businesses. I mean, we're talking about a family business that, that basically gifted a hundred million dollars a year. I mean, for God's sake, if you can get it, it's if you can do it. Yeah, yeah and it, um, I'll volunteer my family for that. Yeah, and, and, and so, so I, I, I had a um, you know speaking of family businesses and, and bleeding into you know the family stuff bleeding into it. Uh, I, I had a guy approach me uh, uh, oh a few years back now, and uh, you know he, he he wanted to know if I would uh, uh, come on board as his uh, basically as COO for the uh, for a business, and it was networking and telecom services and and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like John a lot and would enjoy working with him, but what he really wanted me to do, as I was reading between the lines and wanted no part of, is he wanted me to get rid of all his wife's family who was on the payroll. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he couldn't. He couldn't get away with doing it, and he was looking for somebody who would come in and clean that house. <laughs> well, my uh, my buddy. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Thank you, John. I'll, I'll remain a client. <laughs> well, well Butkus, if you read Butkus's book, you know he, he he always had those big honking shoulder pads, and everybody thought, God, those things are pretty awesome. Nobody else had anything. Those were his shoulder pads in Illinois. He's the Bears. He showed up and, and they had a big box in the middle of the room with all these shoulder pads there. You're supposed to pull an old pair out of there to use. Because it was like grammar school. It's sort of like inter all football yeah. at Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, and my other yeah, buddy. For those of you who don't know, Notre Dame actually has tackle intramural football. And, and the equipment that you, they give you to use is just old varsity stuff that's. But at least out. it's halfway decent. I mean, it was, I, the stuff I got was pretty good. Although one of the guys had to give me a decent helmet. Yeah, as long as you got a face mask, what more do you need? That's, God. Well, my, my buddy, uh, he said he he played what was the, not the year where they actually had to strike, the year where they, they went through training camp and then all of a sudden they brought the players back. You know, with a couple of exhibition games left. So this had to be this guy graduated Michigan. I'm going to say seventy two, so it had to be like seventy three, seventy four, somewhere in there where they had to replace the players. So he had just graduated Michigan. He played center. He went he went up. He was one of the replacement centers, and he goes. I said, what was that like? You know, and he goes, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, Michigan, the first thing you do when you get there is they measure your head. You get a custom helmet. You get custom shoulder pads. Everything's made for you. He goes, you get to the Bears. Hey, go pick out some pads. He goes, he goes the jack straps were out in a big, in a big box in the middle. They were washed the night before. He's supposed to go grab a jack. I'm like, that never happened in Michigan. You had your own stuff. He goes, the, 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 the operation of the Bears was nothing compared to Michigan. Under, in, the, in the equipment, in, in the, in the uh, amount of trainers, even the, the, the doctors, because there's no comparison. And I, I know some of that is still in there, I think, in the family. I mean, I, I think they, they totally don't get this plan, you know, how, how important your last two or three people are on the roster when, when, you, when you're playing 17 games. I mean, you're right, Kevin. There's reasons, you and Maddie, that there, there needs to be a, a change in, in direction. Now, how do you, how do you do that coming yeah, out of a team field? in need of a colon cleanse is basically what yeah. it is, and uh, doesn't make them bad. It just just needs to be different now. It's a it's a different game. You're you're you need your elite quarterback, yes, but you also are going to play on average what, Manny? Three games without him, four, and you better have somebody else. You know, I mean, it's it's a. It, I, I think you know going from what they went from twelve games to fourteen games that made a big difference, and fourteen to sixteen. Now they've added this other one. I mean, how many? How many players in the league do you think started every game this year? What percentage? I don't, I don't even know. An interesting number to know. What would you uh, guess? It, it, it really would, and uh, and I think you're right. You know, you you have to have depth, and you have to have 
you know, not only that, you need to be smart enough to have your backup quarterbacks be similar to your starter, similar in style, so that you don't have to go change the offense. Um, you know, we've seen Baltimore do that. Not not that they've done well. They're on like a four or five game losing streak now. Uh, but that you know that was their approach. Is they said, well, we better get another quarterback that can run because it's so built into our offense. In fact, part, a big part of the reason <laughs> that they're uh, they're on a long losing streak is that John Harbaugh keeps going for two at the end of the game yeah. and, and not making it. Um, well, well, the uh, I get you know I, I get this somebody sig me into this core thing with all these crazy questions, and people ask the question, what what quarterbacks would be real stars today in today's football? And the guy said, well, without a doubt. The guy that pops to mind, which he was a star anyway, was was a guy like Randall Cunningham, because he had all he you know he was the Mahomes before he was Mahomes. I mean, before the, but I remember back in those days they interviewed Jim Finks and they said all these these quarterbacks come out of college that you know can run and do all the other stuff. I mean, Staubach was obviously one of those guys. He says, why don't why don't more teams have these guys? And his, his answer was, if you have one guy, you need three guys because if that's going to be your offense. You need three people. You can't. You can't have three quarterbacks with totally different styles, and, and a guy gets hurt. And like you just said, Kevin, he goes, "If, if you're going to have a quarterback that has some feet, you better get three guys that have some feet." So when he when he gets banged up on a play, the next guy comes in and can do the same thing because there aren't that many guys that can do that. Which you know. Well, I, and, and I agree with that. And I also would say that uh, another thing is when people go to draft quarterbacks. You know, uh, Vince Young was the perfect example of this. Um, if you're going to draft a guy, what even if he can really run, you're probably going to rein that in at some point. You know, fair, probably for, fairly early in the career. Uh, and if you're going to rein in his running, then you have to ask the question, is he as a thrower, you know, long haul, five years from now, when I'm telling him never to run if he, unless he has to, um, you know, do I still want this guy just as a thrower and not a runner? And if the answer is no, then you got to pass. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, from what I see, to me, the the most effective way to do it, and even though his team has gotten lousy around him, the guy in Seattle was pretty much a master at this. You want the ability to run, so they have to hold somebody in, so it helps you when you're people in the pattern, and you and you do a little bit of a run early in the game, but basically in the third and fourth quarter, when the when the defense is sucking old gas, if you can run twenty yards twice in a row. And then up tempo the defense. You got people out there that are totally gassed. I mean, if they're just they're just not ready for that. So if you can run five times a game and save it till the fourth quarter when the defense is getting tired anyway, you can really you can eviscerate another another team's defense by doing that. I think. But if, the last thing yeah, I want to do, yeah, you get the big first down when you need it. Um, you, uh, but you don't you don't constantly run. You don't become the uh, the primary running back in the offense or or anything close to that. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's good. And the other thing is if you can buy time and, uh, you know, throw on the run, uh, after buying time, which is something Aaron Rodgers does really well. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, he's, he's, he's not a fantastic runner, but he's got really good instincts and he's a good enough athlete that you can chase him out of the pocket and he's still going to complete the pass. Uh, because he, he's good enough to escape and he'll complete the pass. That's what I want in a running quarterback. Yeah, you don't want to get clobbered. a guy who's going to, uh, um, you know, uh, carry the ball for me 12 times a game. You don't want Bobby Douglas who tries to run on the linebacker. Well, Bobby Douglas also, um, 
you know, while he had a big arm, I, I was at that one game where he threw the ball 60 yards in the air for a touchdown. When well, he, um, he had a broken wrist. A long time ago. But Bobby Douglas, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he, what was the old joke they used? I forget who the quarterback was, but they said they should send him to uh, Iran because he'd overthrow the Ayatollah. <laughs> well, I like the part where he's coming, they, he was coming back from uh, camp with all the uh, the films in his car, maybe. So he couldn't wait to stop in Division Street and, and see if he could get lucky, right? So somebody breaks in the car and stole all the films. They were the only, <laughs> the only films the team had. So they, they were not they were not happy with Bobby on that one. SP Futures up seven, NASDAQ Futures up thirty seven. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Station Jackson. I'm Tom Howley. He's Mr. Matt aboard. We have Kevin O'Neill with us as well. SP Futures up 8 and SP Futures up 32. And since we missed talking this week, uh, yesterday was a very interesting day. It was what they call an inside day where we finished virtually unchanged after a massive sell-off the day before based on a, the Fed meeting minutes. Um, I haven't seen a, a turn like that both in the bonds and it turned gold and, the, and the, basically in the crap all it did everything for the market with these Fed meeting minutes where they're going to be faster than people think. But uh, anybody who's listening to this show knows it's going to be faster than even that. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, anyway, Dow futures are down too. Uh, over in Europe we've got, we'll go through yesterday, and nobody expected yesterday to be essentially a flat day. It was up. 
then it would head down and people thought it was gonna, you know, the rug was gonna come out from under it, then it went right, right back to almost like zero on the close. Very, un, uh, very unsettling to sit there and watch it. DAX, uh, down 66.4%, puts you down 7.1%, CAC around down 16.2%. Renege, we got the Nikkei down 9. That's on, obviously, um, pretty much on. It's 28,478. Uh, the whole number. Shanghai down 6.1%. And Shanghai, while we're up 420, it's 1.8%. Uh, they were they were down pretty heavy the day before on our stuff. Oh, as a way of review, yesterday we were down 170 in the Dow, S&P down four, Nasdaq futures down 19. When I say it was up, obviously if we're a professional trader, you look more at the futures. The futures ducked up on the close, even though the cash was still down. The, no, the, the number you see is known as the cash. The number I watch and, and professionals watch is the futures. So I think everybody's got that figured out. I hope by now. However, this is the number: ten-year rate 1.72. When we last talked. Was about 1.53, so that's a big up move. But it's really basically a quarter point. Uh, Bund, uh, is actually only, uh, minus 0.06 now. Okay, so we're very, very close to being, uh, above. And in Japan, we, when last time we talked, was positive 0.007, now it's positive 0.14. So there's been a massive change in interest rates since last Friday, the last time you, you heard from us. Oil up 60 cents, 80.06. So oil's had a big rally this week as well. Rent up 70 cents, 72, 82.69. Natural gas up 5 cents, but natural gas still under 4 bucks, 3.86. Our Bob up 2 cents to 2.32. We had gold coming back a little bit, up 3.50, but still 17.92. Still 1,800. A big hit yesterday. We had a big hit on Wednesday when the, when the Fed meeting minutes came out. Silver up a penny, 22.20. Copper up a penny, 4.36. And crypto is beginning its butt kick. Down another 8, 815 to 42,411 on the Bitcoin. A lot of stuff there, Mitty. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, get this one, Chief. Uh, we have an issue on the Tri-State northbound at Tui Avenue. It says the left and right shoulders are both blocked because there are 23 vehicles on both shoulders at Tui with flat tires due to some debris in the road. Uh, that can't be good when it's zero degrees and wind chills in the negative 15 range right now and you're out changing a tire, 23 different cars. I think if you're working for AAA, you're heading home. Yeah, and both shoulders are blocked, so that's got to be dangerous as well with cars zipping by you on both sides. Uh, but that's our major issue right now. There's no other traffic delays or accidents to report on any of the expressways. Looking good on the Edens and Kennedy, Eisenhower and Stevenson, all quiet, same for the south side. Lakeshore Drive is quiet as well. Weather today, another miserable winter day, but we're used to that. Partly cloudy skies, a high of 15 with wind chills in the single digits. Right now it is 3 degrees with a wind chill of negative 12. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 71 today. Right now it's clear and 44. In sports, Bulls were off last night. They're back tonight as the Wizards come to town. That's a 7 p.m. tip-off from the United Center. Bulls have the number one record in the Eastern Conference, number one seed right now. Suns beat the Clippers last night, 106-89. to In hockey, the Blackhawks lost to the Coyotes in the Stocks and Jocks Cup. It was Arizona beating up on the Blackhawks. 6-4 to was the final in that one. Arizona's lousy. Both teams are lousy. College Hoops, Illinois had no trouble with Maryland winning 76-64. And it was Loyola getting a nice win on a neutral court against San Francisco. Both uh, good teams that are probably going to make the tournament. Uh, Loyola beat San Francisco 79-74. to Chief. An interesting comment last night from one of the, we were, uh, we hadn't seen my boys in a while because a couple guys had COVID. So we kind of met up last night and we, uh, went <laughs> 
stopped at the place downstairs last night. We must have been slumming it. Um, but the, so I was showing uh, Cindy, the, the this terrific lady who's a bartender. She ran a, she put a group together for the marathon and ran for charity and stuff. So just a really nice lady. And uh, so I was showing her a picture of the potential new member of the family, the little poodle puppy that Audrey's found. And uh, she goes, God, she's cute. And I goes, said, you know, she looks like trouble to me. She goes, Chief, isn't anybody worthwhile trouble? And I go, <laughs> I, I guess if you want to look at it, that yeah, I got something for you dudes before we get into the uh, the market and stuff. There's this thing today with you guys. Got to tell me more about this. Uh, there's an article by Arjun Karpal from CN, uh, CNBC. China's next regulatory target: algorithms. The secret of many tech giants' success. I know a little bit about this, but please educate me. China has, China has finalized rules that govern the way companies operate algorithms. They will come into effect on March 1st. Algorithms are critical to how many technology companies operate, from recommending items to users on e-commerce apps to recommendations on social media feeds. The rules include allowing users to select and, de- and delete keywords that are used to target them and opt out of using algorithmic recommendation services. Investors will be watching whether these rules will affect the business models of companies. Alibaba to Tencent and how regulators will enforce the law. The hell are they talking about? I don't even know who's got my stuff. How can I? How can I have the right to delete words out of what they have for me? Well, the idea then is you'll pull up your profile and see what words are associated with you. Um, where, where, where's my profile? So, let, let's let's back up the train a little bit. Yeah. So, um, are, are, are you familiar with the term big data, Tom? Yes, from you. Okay, so, and, and for, for listeners who, who don't know, big data just, it simply refers to the ability for us to gather up all manner of data. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's all the structured stuff that you think of. So if you go buy stuff online, you know, you know the item number, you know the source, you know the, you know, all of that. But, but, Part of the data collection uh, aspect of, of big data is figuring out how to pull things like social media posts um, and and to somehow take that and organize how you might write a, a sentence or a paragraph or whatever and how you might write those kinds of things and then for the, uh, uh, the algorithm people to start organizing that in some way that it's useful for building your profile. And based on all of that, um, because there is so much, you know, so much, so much structured data and so much unstructured data, and based on their ability to pull all of that together, now you know um, what kinds of things that you can recommend to me to buy, recommend to search, uh, et cetera. You, uh, you know how to organize that. So it's, it's just an incredible... Um, you know, via algorithms, because there's no way you could crunch all that data by itself. Uh, it, it's just an incredible way to uh, accumulate data about individuals, about groups, about you know all kinds of things, and get buying history in there. So, okay, so we got that down. So, what they're trying to do with the Chinese legislation is that these are some of the words that would be associated with you, maybe words that you continue to you continuously use in your social media posts, for example, and they're saying you should be able to delete them. Um, I, I actually think probably, you know, it's more likely that in the case of China, what they're really trying to do is tell you what words you have to turn over to the Chinese Communist Party so that they can profile you. Um, probably. But I'll, all right, so real quick, cause, uh, too late for real quick, but I was uh, checking your place out 
uh, your South Bend tire place the other day. I was thinking maybe I need some oh, tire rack. Yeah, and I was looking in some tires on there for the suburban. I you know, might need a couple. So plus, I get a chance to come down and have breakfast with you if I came down and had them done. Uh, so within within like minutes, um, every place I look, a CNBC and everything, all of a sudden I'm getting a a tire ad. Right. So I mean, I, I've mm-hmm. gotten sort of used to that. But all right. So how that? Where, where would I go to say pull tires out of wherever the hell my name is? Well, the first question is, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's it. Where would you go? You know, the question is who's gathering that data and, and who's in. I, I have somewhere, uh, you know, some, some video that it probably goes back to like 2014 or something like that, uh, about, um, how data miners work. Uh, it, it was a 60 minutes report. And, uh, and, and basically, um, you know the where do you go? Well, the data miners they exist on the websites where you go, and so that's where they accumulate the data. Is they watch what you're uh, what you're doing um, on on each website. And and remember this from the sixty minutes report. It was uh, you know they took a look at CBS dot com and the sixty minutes website while they were there, and you could see just this big fan of all you know uh, fan diagram of all these people who are in there just mining data for everybody that hits and so you know they'll have your email address i mean basically they're connected when you connect your browser they're essentially in your browser um and uh it's it's frightening because that was 2014 if you can imagine what the state of the art is now um you know it's it's progressed way beyond that and these are the you know theoretically the ethical people who are doing it these are the people who are doing it for legitimate you know business reason not for nefarious reasons uh unless you consider it nefarious of course uh and uh, and so you can imagine what the hackers are capable of doing um what the bad guys can do to you as well it it's it's a it's really a scary world when it comes to data and um you know i i have no faith that the chinese communist party is doing this for any kind of good intention or consumer protection well, gotta, uh, but we're so far down this road that, uh, yeah, you, you probably better be careful what you do online. Uh, if you don't want people to know something about you, just don't do it. And, and I don't know how you exist in that world anymore. Uh, that's pretty tough. Hey, uh, we have, uh, this is a, is a somewhat of a report. Now we got cold weather here, here in Chicago, and we've got, you know, the Omicron running around. But, Kevin, the downtown Chicago, I'm back to being the only car in the lot. I mean, it's, we're, we're back to, Spring of two, you know, March of 2020 here in terms of people downtown. There's no. Yeah, I, I think it's humorous that your mayor is out there banging on the schools really hard because they won't come in and then telling everybody else you can't go in. Uh, yeah. Well, which, every which school's is, been vaccinated. Kind of special. Well, they, yeah, I mean, the, the inconsistency, and I, I mean, the, plus I've been, you know, I have individual people, you know, that have, uh, you know, every, everybody's taking a million tests. I, I, I mean, I know one of my guys that was, I was with last night, he was sick last week, the COVID. I think he ended up taking eight or ten tests, Kevin, and he was 50-50, positive-negative. One guy at the club last night, I was over in the, in the swimming pool, and uh, the uh, and uh, one of the guys was normally there, I didn't see him, he's a kind of co-manager. I said, yeah, Gary uh, has been off for a few days with the COVID. I, I go, well, was he sick? He goes, well, he was at some party, somebody had whatever, he takes a test. He's positive. Three days, he doesn't feel bad. Three days later, he takes a test. He's negative. 
I said, well, what does that tell you? And he goes, it tells me one of the tests was wrong. <laughs> I mean, if he was positive, there's no way you shake it in three days. You know, any test, I mean, you might not be, you're not going to be dangerous to anybody, but he goes, I mean, there's, Kevin, we're talking hundreds of thousands of tests a day would have 10 or 12%, you know, false rate. I mean, it, God bless, we're, we're creating a problem out of, out of, you know, there is a problem, but we're creating a problem even on top of that. I mean, what, when are we going to stand down here a little bit and use our heads? Uh, we're we're not, um, and and here let, let's let's try a little uh, Monday morning quarterbacking on this. Let's look back and say, what if the only things that we did um, to uh, to mitigate or to deal with COVID were, you know, maybe do Operation Warp Speed, spend some more time on uh, uh, treatments, and work really hard to protect uh, elderly and other immunocompromised people and left everybody else alone and did nothing. Do you think we would be any place in any way different with COVID than where we are now? We absolutely would not be any worse. We surely wouldn't be any worse. we absolutely would not be any worse. Yeah. Um, is, Is there anything in the kind of the standard set of public policies that over the last month hasn't just been completely invalidated? Um, pretty much. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. I mean, really, Moderna's CEO came out yesterday and said, we need four boosters. We need yeah. to go to four shots. This, this reminds me what? of they used to bleed. You know, how, how many spike proteins am I going to put in my body over time on this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if there is a certain percentage of, uh, um, bad outcomes from that, we're just don't we're, I increase my percentage, you know, my probabilities every time I take a shot? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, this is this is crazy, and and you know we've talked about this. We talked about this last week that the the percentage you may have a smaller percentage of getting severely ill, being hospitalized, or dying uh, um, because you have the uh, uh, the shots, but that's a not, that's a pretty big number of vaccinated people who are still getting hospitalized and who are. Uh, and, and who are in the death count. So it's, it, it's not trivial either. Um, lockdown's not working. You've got, now you've got all kinds of these public health people out there saying, oh yeah, a cloth ma- uh, a mask uh, doesn't do anything. I think it was, um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Wen on, on CNN that called it a, uh, a, a face decoration. And she was a big advocate, you know, six months ago about you must wear masks and maybe double mask. Well, the, the parallel um, between the, the, the information flow on the COVID and the information flow on inflation from the Fed in the last five years has been pretty much exactly the same, Kevin. Denial, 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 saying wrong stuff. And then once you say something, then you have to fight like to the death that it's still the right thing, even though everybody knows it isn't. Um, it's the, the difference being that with inflation, I don't think people who said, no, that's not right, had their viewpoints suppressed. Uh, correct. Well, whereas, well, I don't know. I've seen where, whereas you were very, very specifically. I mean, you get banned from social media uh, for suggesting that masks don't. There's work. a couple people that used to be on CNBC two, three years ago regularly that were saying that the Fed has gone down this road and has been going down this road for a period of time, and it's going to have this huge problem. I haven't seen them in a while. I don't think they're banned, but I, I don't. Nobody wants the contrary. You, they don't. They, right. don't they, they can still do their social media stuff and yeah. things like that, but they may get may not get invited back to the party. Right. They're not. They're not. They're not back to the party. And then, uh, 
you know, and if if you if you think that if you if you were to say something like, God, if, if rates go to like eight percent, the market's not going to have a five percent correction that lasts two weeks. It might be a forty percent correction that lasts a decade. You can't say that. But boy, I sure hope that isn't right. But it isn't true. But I mean, it 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 certainly is a possibility, considering where we are. I mean, there's no doubt that's a possibility, and I've seen that twice in my lifetime, where we we were down on a decade. Uh, so I don't want to see it again because it's pretty bad. I mean, but I mean, these guys, this idea that they're gonna they're gonna tell you, oh man, you know, Microsoft went from you know whatever thirty five to three. Forty and now it's down at three fifteen. Man, it's a, it's a buy of a lifetime. What? Okay, fine. I, I I don't see. Of course, they got their issues and that they're the you know I, I put them as the world's worst monopoly. But I you know nobody wants to hear about that either. But the you know I, I've I've seen stuff in the last week where one of uh, unfortunately one of my good friends, her dad, who's you know he's up there, but he's in the hospital and he's you know it's, I think it's his time. That's what I hear anyway. I'm the, I'm surely held on God. Uh, and all of a sudden now they decide he's got uh, COVID, even though you know if he did he's got like the last three days. Well, now they don't they don't want to let him home because if they say okay if he's not if he's going to die I want to bring him home we'll have hospice at home. They don't want to let him out. Now does that mean that they're going to get a bonus on the bill because he has COVID? I mean what what are we doing here, Kevin? Is there are we still doing that? I don't know. I mean, uh, that was one of the, the, the deep secrets that some people would tell us people were doing. There was a, a COVID bonus in the hospital. And that's why, you know, yourself people with COVID on their, their death certificate that maybe didn't die from COVID. They might have got it though. You see, our, our, uh, it's been, this has been a rough year in sports with John Madden and, uh, Dan Reeves. And now this week, uh, uh, somebody, well, not close to you and I personally, but some of our friends, uh, Ross Browner, the star from Notre Dame died the other day. And now they're mm-hmm. saying that that is a you know a COVID thing. Well, the guy had horrible diabetes for how long? I mean, he had a foot and horrible diabetes for a long time, and even even with an amputation involved yeah. in there. And uh, so, I mean, I, I mean, well, first of all, how are these people all getting this COVID in the hospitals? I mean, if I mean, the, the hospitals still the petri dish of COVID, or what? They probably still are. And that's where I think I caught mine. Uh, I was going to catch it somewhere else anyway, so I'm not like I'm mad at him. It's just I'm saying it's. A, so, I mean, this is, we, we need some kind of leadership. We can't be, I, honest, I actually, I honestly think, talk about me being some, with some harbinger of good news here. I actually think in three to four weeks, this is going to be, this is going to buzz through the whole place just like it did in South Africa. And we're going to see these numbers coming down. And maybe for the first time in a long time, we can make a stab at being normal. Is there any chance I could be right there? Well, it, let, let's see what the Supreme Court does today. Um, what are they doing today? What are they, what are they doing? They are day? hearing the uh, um, challenges to the um, uh, vaccine mandates. Well, the uh, there's a, a um, well, and, and the reason I say that is, you know, the most that's going to come out today for the uh, from these proceedings, uh, the most that's ever going to come out is going to be the. Um, uh, um, a stay, you know, that uh, that they won't be able to implement, and and then they'll ultimately decide the case. They'll they'll take time to deliberate on the case. But if if the Biden administration is allowed to uh, to enforce these restrictions, they're they're not going to give them up. They're not going to say, "Well, we're going back to normal," no. and this is going to cause a long protracted 
you know, well, I guess if it's protracted, it is long, so I guess that's redundant. Uh, but it's gonna, there's going to be a protracted battle and give and take on this uh, about all these mandates. And so, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think if the Supreme Court puts the kibosh on these, then uh, maybe we'll start to uh, see a little bit faster normalization. Um, something has to happen. I, the My area, you know, Lincoln Park was one of the, most highly vaccinated parts of the city, right? Whenever we got out, all the people who lived there were, you know, scared bleepless of this thing, and they all went and got, which, you know, I did too, so I'm not putting a nickel, at, putting a, anything at these people. But now, of course, it is the uh, one of the highest COVID test areas in the city. And and, and the, the, the thing from the alderwoman is we've the problem is we've got 10 or 20% of the people that aren't vaccinated. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I don't dislike this lady at all. I just think she's trying to do a good job. But, Kevin, it's not the problem. The 80% that are vaccinated are getting the COVID. Now, you can you can say, and I have a couple people that are close to me that refuse to get vaccinated, I want them to get vaccinated because I'm worried about them. But on my worst dumb nightmare, the thought of them being vaccinated, vaccinated saving somebody else it's just not right, Kevin. It, it, the, the problem in our in our in our area is not the twenty percent that haven't been vaccinated. It's the fact that the vaccines do not stop you from getting it. They 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 were oversold from day it. one, or spreading. Or spreading it. It. Yeah, they were oversold from day one. Part of it. They are worthwhile uh, to a point, and I don't. I think that point stops if you start having to take four and five of them in a row. I remember another vaccine we had to do that. Uh, and will that pile up and cause more of a problem? I have a, I have a real problem with that. I haven't taken my booster yet. My doctor said don't take it until they change the shot for the new, for the new, uh, the normal crime. Why, why are you taking a shot from four years, two years ago? Which is really what it is. I'm not telling people not to do it. I'm, I'm just saying. So, I mean, I mean, you, sober people should be able, one of the guys from the state legislators and Republicans, I never used to like to say anything good about him. Sorry, Kevin, but anyway, he comes out and he says, what all the, all the things that Lightwood and, and Pritzker are doing, because I'm not saying they're not well-meaning. I'm just saying there's no difference between Illinois and the states that aren't doing it. They're not working. Just look around you. They're well, not that's working. Been, that's been true for a long time, yeah. too. That data has been floating around for a year, and yet we keep doing it. You know, you can compare Illinois to Iowa. You can compare Illinois to Indiana. You know, we, we all have the same climate. We all have, you know, similar types of populations. Uh, and, and, and yet the, you, you line them up side by side, and there is no difference. Right, so wait a minute. Is, is, is Webby of Illinois or Iowa? Can, can a guy effectively leave Iowa, or is he always an Iowan? <laughs> Iowa's a state of mind. <laughs> you know, if, if Maddie, get out that clip. Is this heaven? <laughs> Maddie, we used to have a guy. No, it's Iowa. <laughs> we, used to have, we used to have a guy that traded for us. He was a character, but a funny guy. I mean, you could not, like, you brought one of me, just had a good time. But a guy, guy could hit a softball a mile, so your team could use him, but he if, he, if somebody said something like really dumb, he'd say, "What are you from Iowa?" <laughs> 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 I don't think I don't think you and Joe would like that too much. <laughs> hey, what are you from Iowa? <laughs> well, so anywho, so uh, Kevin, what uh, what's your read on the? Uh, well, we only got a minute here. If these rates start to move a lot faster here, I, I don't want to be right on this one. But why are these guys so far behind the curve? Why are why are they doing this to us? Is are are there just people? Mentioned these guys last night, and they go. So, what is your, what, you know, how, as you, as you're another year older in the new year, what do you, what do you think? And I said, you know, when I when I was a youth, when I was Maddie's age, uh, 
and I you know studied under guys like Milton Friedman and people like that. Milton Friedman never had any. He was an acad- academician, and he was a guy that always felt that the reason why the Fed made you know dumb mistakes and things like that are people in government. They just were wrong. They just didn't study enough. They just didn't go into the detail enough. They weren't thorough enough. The thought never crossed his mind that they actually were doing it on purpose to benefit one group of people versus another. And I've gotten way more cynical than Milton Friedman ever was. I when 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 people make these decisions, and it's pretty obvious to me that they that they haven't read enough or done enough or they're they're really just favoring one group over another, Kevin. And it really bugging the bleep out of me these days. I, I don't know what you're gonna do about it, but. I mean, this whole thing that the Fed has done has, has, has made people very, very wealthy. And when this all comes tumbling down, we're going to have another resolution trust. We're going to have another 2007, where all of a sudden all kinds of new people get all everybody else's wealth. You know, I'm just tired of looking at it, Kevin. I just am. I, you know, yeah, it, let, me, let me give you one hit, though, one economic hit, that, you know, as rates go up, it's going to discourage capital expenditures. And, you know, we, we have all these long-term supply chain issues that need to get resolved, and the only way they're going to get get resolved in any way that brings back uh, a large measure of stability is going to be uh, investments in local production uh, and investments in automation, and they ain't going to happen when the rates go up. I'm going to so we got a you know, we're be stuck with uh, uh, mess after mess, and it's just going to elongate the uh, amount of time uh, that it stays this way. We got a dash. But I'm going I'm to push back on that a little bit. First of all, you're absolutely correct. Uh, which I should never say to you because it goes. Oh, that's, that hurts. That's hard pushback, Tom. But the, but I think that the people you're talking about never participated in the rates being low in the first place. They never were beneficiaries of this stuff. Just like people are credit cards. Credit cards are up since nineteen since two thousand and seven. So we, we the people we know never never were able to go in and get the plumber's van at two percent. So I don't know how much it's going to hurt because I don't think they ever got, they ever got help in the first place. Possible. That's a, that's a good perspective. I'll, I'll I'll chew on that between now and next Wednesday. <laughs> All right, but SP Futures up three days. Futures up eighteen. Back, Mr. Carl Denninger. We have this, our labor numbers today, so we have Carl back first Friday of the month. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, Norpex, Dr. Jackson. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 350. NASA Futures up 16. We're trying to make it uh, two days in a row to the plus side after a big sell-off on Wednesday. But we've got these labor numbers to jump today. We've got uh, expectations of uh, all kinds of people being hired here, which might uh, add fuel to the Fed's got to go faster than we thought story. Carl, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm just trying to catching up on the morning. I was listening to your uh, your first hour, and, and yes, there still is and, and has been since Trump's original stuff out of HHS, a 20% bonus on the entire bill in a hospital from Medicare. So I don't know, this probably doesn't apply to private insurance, but certainly applies to Medicare if there is a COVID positive test. So, uh, you know, if somebody goes home for hospice, do you lose that? Well, yeah, it, it disappears because you're not there anymore. I mean, at least for that time forward, yeah. Well, and it doesn't, and it doesn't matter why you're in the hospital. Okay, I mean, if you're on Medicare, and uh, you know, there's there's an argument to be made that if you're on Medicare and you're in there, and this is an infectious disease, it's more difficult to deal with than you know a broken hip, right? Because you got to isolate people and things like that. When you're a broken hip, you don't have to do that kind of thing. Uh, no, no, that doesn't matter. If you're in there for a broken hip and you have a positive COVID test, it's extra 20%. Well, hey, I was wondering if you, if you could uh, enlighten us. Kevin brought up a, uh, um, a, a you know an interesting subject right, right before the he, he, had a, he had a dash or we booted him, one or the other. Uh, <laughs> and the, um, my one, one of my themes, although I, I honestly don't, I can't research it that well, Carl, is this one of the the big issues with the Fed in the last 15 years is this idea we're going to keep these rates way down. But they never they never pushed them down for everybody. They just pushed them down for a few people, and they pushed them down for banks so they don't have to pay anybody. But I, I don't I don't think, I mean, I always use the example, and, and if you add that, uh, what's that stupid law, uh, the uh, Banking Act, the two idiots, uh, two idiots, I shouldn't say that, uh, Simpson Bowles? No, uh, the guy, I was gonna, I'm, oh, okay, I shouldn't say, the gay guy and the other guy, uh, the guy who, uh, Barney, just, it was Frank? Frank? Yeah, for the, what's the, what's the, the something Frank bill or whatever it was? Dodd Frank. Well, Barney Dodd, Frank, yeah, yeah Dodd, 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 Dodd Frank thing, yeah. Well, what I, what I, what I spotted, and I don't know these many people that like do this anymore, Carl, but I know a couple, but I have, I think that if it was Chief and Carl and Matt's plumbing company, and we have we've had a, a you know revolving line of credit from a bank for forty years and never missed a payment. If we decide we want to you know access that for 
forty grand for a fully outfitted van, well, fifty now, for another plumber because business is good. I'm thinking now, A, we're probably paying eight to ten, really not much difference since they did this with the interest rates. And now I think that somebody has to sign a personal guarantee, even though the corporation has been around for 40 years. So they've made it actually harder for certainly somebody at that level to borrow. Now, Kevin's talking about if we have these supply chain and stuff, and we talk about it all the time, you do what we do on the show, is that in America, you don't need the government to tell you to, to, uh, you know, work faster at the dock. That the whole, you know, beauty of our system is somebody like us or one of our listeners is going to say, Hey, for whatever reason, we're not getting nails from China anymore. Looks like there's an opportunity in nails and buy, borrow some dough, builds a nail factory, and six months from now he's selling nail. That, that's, that's what makes our system better than anybody else's. But we've right. managed, we've managed to stick enough knives into our system in favor of a few people, getting harder and harder. But I guess my question to you, somebody who wanted to put up a small factory, whatever, however you define that, to fill one of these supply chain gaps, what interest? What interest are they paying? I, I know the guy. I know the plumbing company is basically screwed. I mean, they're, 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 well, I, well, I can tell you. What, uh, look, I you know I I've got one of those much coveted, uh, you know, extremely high credit scores and you know and everything else. And I don't carry a balance on any of my cards. But there's still, if I was to actually borrow money on plastic, even though I'm massively liquid and have no debt, including my house. These clowns are still try to charge me thirteen percent. Well, if you decided you wanted to get back in business, and the plant's going to cost us a mill, and we pony up two hundred grand, so it's not like we're going in with nothing, and, right. we go, and we go to a bank, what are we paying? I don't, I don't have any idea. I'm going to say at least seven or eight. What eight. Are we, you think it's eight? Eight. And we're going to have to sign it personally. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that's you know, when I was running MCS, we had. I, I never took any debt during the entire time that I ran the firm, okay? And I had all kinds of people telling me I was crazy, and I'm like, look, this is a corporation. It is it, it is a multi-million dollar in revenue corporation. We have a balance sheet that has outside accountants that, that do that work, okay? So, I mean, you know, I'm gaming it. Good luck, because how, how do you game a cash statement? How do you game a bank uh, you know, bank statement from the bank. <laughs> yeah. That stuff all has to balance or it doesn't, all right? It's a yes or no question. Um, and, you know, there's there's six figures on deposit. And you want me to sign a personal guarantee because I want to buy 200 grand worth of routers? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm like, you're out of your effing mind, okay? And on top of that, you want to charge me, you know, 9 or 10% or more. Uh, you know, this was, the, this was the, you know, the early mid-90s. I'm like, so you're going to charge me nine or ten percent to to borrow the money, but you're not willing to take the corporation's asset base, which is wildly in excess of its liabilities, as as the collateral. I'm like, get out of here! I, I'm not doing that deal. Um, not that I think anything's going to go wrong. That's not the point. The point is, you're crazy. Well, <laughs> okay, what's the all right between? Your place, all right, in Amazon, they went out and got money at 2.3% and Caterpillar and these other places. Where, where's the cutoff? And, and, and I'm sure Jeff Bezos didn't sign for that. Okay. Where, well, uh, I, I think the difference is, is that you're doing something that somebody, that somebody who's favored wants. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at how that sort of thing is, is doled out, all right? Look at Solyndra. 
right? We all know about that scam of Solyndra. This was, you know, Barack Obama's favorite solar panels are going to solve every energy problem we have play in the United States. All sorts of federal money poured in, all sorts of federal guarantees, not a bit of risk taken by any of the principals or any of the, any of the people who founded the firm. It's a corporation. The entire thing collapses, blows up, and, and is a zero, literally a zero. So, um, gee, is this uncommon? I don't think so. Just look, just look at what, what you heard yesterday, just yesterday alone. And, and use this as a way to frame every single thing you hear from the government and from the media. Yesterday, we were told that on January 6th, there was an armed insurrection in the Capitol one year prior. An armed insurrection. Now, not one person was charged with insurrection. Not one weapon was recovered from one of the people who allegedly committed this insurrection. Not even a crowbar. The only firearm that was discharged on the grounds or in the building was discharged by a police officer at one of the people who was trying to get into the Capitol chamber, right? And shot shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. But that yeah. may very well have been a good shoot. I can't judge it because I can't, you know, I don't know all of the circumstances, but certainly if you breach the door to the inner sanctum where the legislators are, I would say that deadly force is at that point authorized because nobody knows what you've got with you. Maybe, right. maybe you're all carrying pistols and you're going to kill everybody in the room. So, okay, I would, I'm okay with that. But the idea that this was an armed insurrection, I, I've been in the Capitol building. Before 9-11, you could literally walk in the door. Nobody cared. Okay, I mean, there, there was a metal detector. Everything. Those doors are portico-style construction. Without heavy breaching equipment, unless someone opens them from the inside, you're not going through them. Period. Yeah, I've been mean, so there a couple times. I just didn't remember the, that. So who opened the doors? And yet, this to, and this goes back to what I've, I've said many times, and what other people have said many times: the victors of every conflict write the history. Oh, without a doubt. All right. So what we have here is we have a bunch of claims. That this was as bad as, as December seventh, nineteen forty-one. They actually heard that on Pelosi. That's this interesting. Was essentially, this was this was an act that was as bad as as that, or or nine eleven, when three thousand Americans were killed. And this was in the same category. This is the same thing. All right, now take take that load of BS, which is clearly nonsense, and put every single thing you've heard over the last ten years. 20 years about the economy, about interest rates, about inflation, uh, about COVID, about tests. We knew, for example, that these tests were worthless in the fall of 2020 when Elon Musk showed up at NASA, a government facility, to watch one of his own rockets get launched. He had to take a test to get in the building. They reasonable given that, you know, everybody's all scared of it. Okay, fine. He takes a test and he comes up positive and they refuse to let him in and he says, now wait a minute, I don't believe. And they say, well, sir, you know, the protocol, what he says, how much are they? And they're like, you know, $500 a piece. He whips off a couple thousand bucks and says, another one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Takes a, he, he ends up taking four sequentially in the space of about 15 minutes, two positive, two negative. One of my buddies last week who actually I think did, he had it, he was sick, 
he ended up with a, with a total of like eight or ten tests, and he was fifty fifty too. One of well, them. Yeah. Was. So I mean, so basically, these things are a coin toss. So so if these tests are not are, are I mean, there's there's statistically no validity to them. What is the purpose of using them? It's clearly not to tell whether or not you're sick. It's not to tell whether or not you're dangerous to other people. We have Fauci early on in this thing, June of 2020, who admitted that with the CT levels that they were running on the PCR tests, at 35, we were running them to 40. At 35, only 3% of the people had culturable virus. Well, if you can't culture the virus, there isn't enough virus to get anybody else sick. Yeah, it's a... Now, maybe you're about to get it. Okay, Maybe. But now we have the CDC, now we have Walensky, who just admitted that after you've had the virus, you could test positive on a PCR test for 12 weeks. Well, uh, why is that? And when, I, when I had it last year, the, uh, the guy from North Shore called me up and he said, yeah, you've, you've got it. And I, and I said, should I go get another test? He goes, what do you do that for? He says, you're going to be spitting this thing for 30 to 45 days. I mean, you, you're, you've killed it. You're no danger to anybody, but it's not like it's, there's not like a big hole in your head. We flush your whole body. <laughs> Where do you think well, it exactly, went? Well, exactly. But, you know, but see, this is the thing, Tom, is that we have, we have gone down this road where whatever political outcome, and, it, and this, this sucks, okay? I don't, I don't care whether you're looking at this from a standpoint of interest rates or you're looking at a standpoint of inflation, uh, the, the, the various swindles. You know, look at what just happened with Elizabeth Holmes. Okay, I mean, you know, she gets she gets found guilty of defrauding investors, but not defrauding the patients she screwed. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. I mean, if you, you think about that in the context of COVID, so so the people who put up money for her scam, which was proved to be a scam, it didn't work. What she claimed was completely false. The people who put up the money got hosed. That's what the jury found. However. The persons who were harmed, the individuals who were harmed, oh, too bad, have a banana. Well, what, plus it says nothing about... By the way, how, how is it exactly that you weren't on that board? You, you, you rank up there with those guys. Oh, my God. I, I, I You know, I, I would never... That's. Yeah, you you could try to offer me something that I would take it. <laughs> you, know, you, you, don't th- you, think, you think any of those guys ever showed up? What, it was, it was Sam Nunn... It was Petraeus, right? It was Kissinger right. and George Schultz. Those are yeah, those are all, these are all people who who were hired because they had a name. They had absolutely no knowledge or any, or the chops to even analyze what was going on. That's well, my, I guess my one of my questions. I was talking about it last night. I'm sure it bored the hell out of everybody, but uh, I, I don't. As, as, as I'm getting older, Carl, every time these people make these decisions, I don't. I don't honestly don't believe. And if you know, Jay Paul was sitting here. I'm not going to accuse the guy of anything. He seems, I'm sure, as a, you know, he's probably somebody you and I might want to have a contact. I, I don't know, but the but the point is, does he not know? Now he's he's only been the chairman for a while now, but does does he not know that the whole time he's been there, that this incredible push to have these rates at one or two percent or less than that, does he not know that it has not worked the day down, worked down the chain to the. The plumber to the car building the building to the people Kevin knows. Does he not know it's not working its way down the chain, or does he not care? Does he not? Chief, does he, he never, chief. Those people never leave their bubble of other people who all make mid six figures or better, and, and they never they never go into. How, how many of them do you think have a single person that they that they go have a beer with after work that doesn't make at least a hundred grand? How, how do they? How do people? 
I don't know. How, how do people do that? How do you? How do you? Uh, I mean, I actually, you know what, Carl? I'm not on the same level of people. You own your own business and so forth. Well, I mean, I own most of PTI, but it's, it's not the same as what you had. But I mean, I could very easily, if I wanted to, only talk to my richest clients and, and somehow make believe that they're the only people in the world. But how do I not say hello to the person who works in the building? How do I not see the guy who was the engineer in the building slash janitor? I mean, how do I not talk to the bartender? I mean, do I just, I, I can't, how do I, how do I put myself in that kind of bubble? I don't even know how to do it. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> there, there were people that used to be sort of in my orbit when I was running MCS that used to run this load of BS. And I, I used to hobnob with some of them at various events and things like this. And they, and they did this. They, they were, this was their thing, okay? I mean, if, if you weren't driving a Lexus, you weren't one of their friends, okay? It was just kind of how it was. And and there was, one of the things that used to happen every now and then is they'd, they'd start around with this this virtue signaling nonsense about how they had, you know, they had the guard at the front of their compound and they had, you know, this this high-class security system and, and they had cameras when nobody else had cameras. Right now everybody's got a camera because it cost 25 bucks and you got, a, or you got one in your doorbell for crying out loud. By the time they didn't, that kind of stuff didn't exist, except for those people that had a whole lot of money and spent it on things like this. And a couple of times, this, these guys would be strutting this stuff, and I, you know, I'm sitting here with my drink. They've got their drink all kind of huddled around in one of these meeting rooms, and uh, and I just say, you know, I just reach into my pocket and I'd say, "How do you know there's not a gun in here?" Uh. <laughs> and, and the look on their face, you know, I was like. You know, I mean, you just blew up their entire bubble of existence that, oh, I'm so great, and I did all these wonderful things, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm just this ordinary guy. If I'm walking down the street and a couple of dudes decide to roll me while I'm on the way getting into my car, you know, okay, there's a camera in the, in the parking garage, and, and whoever did it is probably going to get arrested. I'm still bad. Yeah, when you talk about the Lexus, how's this, Maddie, for being politically incorrect? When I was young, and uh, Marquette Park was basically all Lithuanian, right? My uncle was a Lithuanian dude. He was a fighter pilot during the war. And the joke was that the Lithuanian grandmother would say to you, you ain't no good unless you got a Buick automobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back then, there weren't Lexuses in those days, right? But the, Bu- and the Buick wasn't a Cadillac, but it was pretty close. you know. So you had, a, you had to make it to the Buick. I guess... Uh, what, well, my dad was the same way. He drove it with Saber for years, and it wasn't because it was a, it was it was particularly interesting. It was because he was he was a high fountain CPA, and that's what he had to have in order to be acceptable at the country club. Yeah, my stepfather had a Buick uh, Buick Special of fifty five, but then we got into the yeah. Bills. The Bills were more fun. They always had more power than the Buicks, or not more power, they had better better. Let's not get into. We don't want to get into the fifties and sixties cars, but I always liked the Bills. Matter of fact, uh, Audrey's cousin, uh, I don't know what, what possessed him. He just bought a, uh, 55 98 Holiday Coupe. God, is it, is it awesome? You see a big old steering wheel in there and everything? So yeah. that drives nice. I, I go, you drove it back from Indiana? And he goes, yeah. I said, this thing's got, did you at least check the brakes? Yeah, they work, they work good enough. 
<laughs> the, 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 they're all four wheel drums. Well, Manny, those things they, they didn't they didn't work like the discs. Remember, you drove cars. They didn't work very well. Yeah. No, they didn't work very well. We used to we used to pull a trailer with a, with a Chris Craft speedboat on the thing with the, my Dynamic eighty eight with the boy. You had to you had to stop with the trailer fast. That was an adventure. And plus, they, they didn't they didn't cool down like the discs, right? If you, you stop once or twice in a row, they, you could like lose them. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Kyle, what, what are we expecting in these labor numbers? I mean, what what is going on? Uh, well, you know, it's, I, I think it's interesting because uh, you know, a couple days ago, of course, ADP comes out and it was way above expectations. Okay? It was like eight hundred. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, there were all these people jumping up and down and jumping up and down. I got I got four or five emails. Oh, look, look, look! On it, I said, you do realize these guys are frequently off by fifty percent or more. <laughs> Well, how did, first of all, how, and you know what? By the way, how's that happen? If you, if you think about who ADP is and what they do, I'm going okay, to. They're, they're probably thirty or forty percent of the entire private payroll in the United States. Doctor J and I used to fight about this all the time on the air. I'd say, I said, Jan, ADP's they're they're just telling you how many checks they're putting out. They 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 can't be wrong in what they're doing. And he said, No, they're supposed to be trying to predict. What the federal government is? I said, why would they? Right. Why don't they just put theirs out there? It's a real number, and what the federal government does, they do. Why? Why would they be trying to predict the other? I mean, what are they going to do? Try and hedge it or, or adjust it? And unless there's a big difference in in government, I mean, we do. Our ADP does our stuff here. How, how, how are we going to cheat and say we well, got twenty people? Think about this, chief. How do you audit ADP's numbers? Well, I mean, why would you have to? Well, unless you think they're they're crooks. No, no, no. I, but 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 what evidence is that that it's not now? Just again, go back to what I just pointed out about January sixth. Well, I mean, you you think that that ADP? Well, first of all, how do they start putting these numbers out? I guess that's the question. What well, I uh, suppose. I mean, supposedly, right? If you had, if you asked me, how many minutes of internet use? Does the public, you know, what is the trend on on public use of the internet? When I was running my internet company, I, I could give you extraordinarily accurate figures because all I got to do is ask my database system that tracks every single session because it was all dial up back then, of course, you know. And so yep. every single session, I right, where you know where in the city did it come from? How's the penetration look? What's the number of minutes? Uh, you know, in this in this neighborhood from this particular exchange. We had this many minutes last month, and we have this many minutes this month across this many distinct users. I mean, this is this is just simple statistical information. It's trivial. Right? I mean, that's what computers are really good at, right? Well, is so, that, is that I mean, it would take me thirty seconds. But what if what if I knew I couldn't get caught if I lied? Yeah, but what do you, what's what is the purpose? Why? I mean, what do you? I guess my, I'd say, what are you lying because for? Because you want to drive because you want to drive an agenda and drive a political outcome in one direction or another, whatever that might be. You may not know what the political direction is. You may not know who wants to drive it or why. But isn't the current isn't the current mantra that all these things that the Biden administration is doing are working and we're recovering? All right, but I I, I get that part. But what I'm saying is, if if I if I really gave a crap, which actually I do, I'm going to say that there's a guy named Carl that would say, okay, ADP is the biggest, who's second and who's third? And if and if, and if I really didn't, I'd say, hey, Carl, um, you know, if, if the two of us were two, two idiot heads in the Oval Office, I'd say, Carl, get the number of the second and third. ADP says that their, their payrolls are up, 
you know, one and a half percent this month. See what the other guys are doing. If if one guy says, "Hey, we're down two percent," then I smell a rat. But I mean, is there any reason to believe that that their stuff didn't go up this much? No, I, you know, that's the, the thing is, is I don't know. And, and but this is my my filter for this sort of thing. I mean, ADP is a report that, along with the the BLS data. I followed for a very, very long time. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, you know, as, as you know, I've got a private set of the of the key items out of that report that goes back to 1999. Which week, which week is it that they? You you told me this once before, and I forgot. Is it is it the? There's two two payrolls in a month, right? So, is are we talking about the the fifteenth? Of uh, December payroll or the thirtieth or what? Well, we that's it. so the sample, the BLS sample week is is in the same place on the calendar, but because the calendar is, is wonky and you know the start of the the month moves around, exactly when that is changes. But their their sample is done during one specific week, so it's and it's it's typically around options actually, it's, you know, third week of the of the month. Okay, because they try to center it. I right? try to get the the data in the middle. Um, but that's the you know that's where the sample week is, and so it, anything that happens outside that, of course, doesn't get picked up till the next month. But what I've always maintained is that the, the, all the internal adjustments that are done in the establishment numbers and the household numbers are are subject to all sorts of wild screwball stuff, and there's no reason to use them because Christmas falls at the same time every single year. So. Yeah, you know, we always Christmas is always in December. Well, guess what? If you really care what's going on, just look at this December versus last December. And all of this was was very, very good and very valid across all kinds of economic conditions, right up until we had COVID and closed the country for three months. Right. <laughs> uh, and now all of a sudden, there's this huge spike in the data that makes all of that go. You know, they, they just took the uh, the uncertainty factor and cranked the dial up to about fourteen. Well, the ADP should match. It, it, let's put it this way: it should give you a pretty good idea of what the establishment survey is doing. Maybe not so Absolutely, much. Absolutely, but it never does. And I guess, well, I guess my I should I should have made this simple. The question simpler: if ADP is being straight, then it must be the government numbers that are wandering all over the place with adjustments and stuff. Um, yeah, it, you're assuming, however, that that either one of them are being straight. I'm making no such assumption. Well, you know, I just. I guess as much as I try and be as, as conspiratorial as I can be, and I'm getting better at it, I just I can't imagine, you know, PTI Securities putting out margin numbers and of the, of the you know if we publish what do we think the margin we get them from some website, what do we think the margin numbers on accounts from Finra or New York Stock Exchange or something? Why why would we lie on them? I mean, what's the point? I, I guess. Well, I don't. Well, I don't know, but I mean, you know, it's it's uh, there's there has long been a a claim out there that. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, that put pressure within the BLS uh, to, uh, you know, from the president's office because, you know, nobody wants a bad report, right? I mean, you know, uh, no administration wants a bad report. Let's dash off oh, the boy, break. We got to refresh and try again from these guys. So, uh, yeah, obviously uh, it's it's out, but I don't see it yet. I'm looking. Yeah, the spoons are running up a little bit. Let's do a real quick break, and then we'll be back with the number. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, 
Nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProtoRuck can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProdirect.com. PTIProdirect.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Holland. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures uh, up 75 cents after this, this labor number here. I'm going to go through this real quick because we do have... Uh, uh, Carl here to talk about this, this, this number is bizarre today. Uh, uh, NASDAQ futures down 16. We got the Dow down uh, futures down three. Um, we got the number is a positive 199, which is way below any kind of estimate. Uh, the estimates were like for 422, but then there, somehow or another the October number is up 100,000, and November up another 30. So I don't know. The revision in October is bigger than the jump this month, or not bigger, but damn near. Uh, which is kind of crazy. We're in Europe, DAX down 79.5%, FTSE up 8, call that flat. CAC around down 24.3%. We're in Asia, Nikkei down 9, call that flat. Shanghai down 6, call that flat. Hang Seng over a big rally, 
up 420. That's 1.8%. Uh, we got oil, which has been in the news, obviously, up 83 cents. 80.29, that's a full percent. Rent up 87 cents, 82.86. Natural gas up 6 cents, 3.87. And we've got gold uh, down a buck 20, 17.88. A big hit the other day when interest rates went flying up. Silver down two cents, twenty two seventeen. We got Bitcoin down six seventy nine at forty two thousand five twenty eight. Mitty, what do you got for us, Trevor? Little sports. Thirty five minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Still enjoying a nice, quiet uh, Friday morning. If you're heading into downtown this morning, no issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Eisenhower and Stevenson are all quiet. Same for the Ryan I fifty seven and the Bishop Ford. Uh, we have a crash on Route 53. This is on the eastbound side, just before Higgins Road, up in the uh, northwestern suburbs, and that's causing solid traffic on Route 53. And then um, just uh, east of there, uh, still dealing with uh, the issue on the Tri-State. This is a bizarre one that we talked about last hour. Uh, the left and right shoulders are both blocked on the Tri-State just before Tui Avenue uh, because of some debris on the road that has caused over 20 vehicles on both shoulders at Tui uh, to have flat tires. And uh, this has uh, crews uh, working to get those tires uh, back on cars um, or spares back on so cars. Maybe, what do you do if you got one one spare and you got two flats? That'd be really bad. But um, and and who's paying for all this de- this this issue with debris on the road? I don't know. But uh, that's a bizarre one that has, uh, like I said, over 20 vehicles on both shoulders. It's very cold out there. It's dangerous uh, on the the tri-state anyway. Uh, so that's not a great situation here on a Friday morning. Weather today, partly cloudy skies, a high of 15 as we continue this uh, deep freeze over the last few days. It will warm up a little bit this weekend, uh, so that'll be nice. Right now it's clear and 3 degrees with a wind chill of negative 12. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 71 today. Right now it's clear and 45. In sports, a quiet night last night for our basketball team. Bulls have been off the last few nights. They're back in action tonight as the Wizards come to town. That's a 7 p.m. Chicago time tip-off from the United Center. Suns played. They beat the Clippers 106-89. to In hockey, Blackhawks have now lost six straight games as they fell to the last-place Arizona Coyotes 6-4. to Rock bottom for our Blackhawks. College Hoops, Illinois beat Maryland 76-64, to and it was Loyola over San Francisco 79-74. to Chief. So, uh, Kyle, good thing we have all this labor stuff to go through. We won't tell a story about Maddie's flat tire when he had taken the spare out of his trunk and then the, the landlord had thrown the spare out. <laughs> that was not a good day. That was not ideal. No, it was not no that's a bad day. That's, uh, so, uh, plus 199. So what was I saying about ADP being full of you-know-what? Well, uh, what they found out is you, they couldn't hire you in December because they already hired you in October and forgot to count you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, the the unadjusted uh, employed number is actually down by 65,000. Uh, then if you move to the adjusted, which is what I'm looking at, is Carl and I go through this every month, if you look at the A1, the one that anybody would go look at, except if you're Carl and you dig deeper, the A1 right. employment status of the Asilian, civilian non-institutional population, 16 years and over, 1987 to date. This thing has us up 650,000 people working, and uh, and it came right out of the unemployed, 500,000 out of the unemployed, and only 100,000 out of the, we don't know what they're doing, column. So. Right, except, except that the unadjusted, not in labor force number is uh, it's plus five ten. How can that be? 
Well, uh, because because there's this black box where they they twist knobs to get the numbers they want. Wasn't December the most adjusted? I, before Carl, before I before I started knowing these numbers as well as I do now because of Carl, I read somewhere that back when I actually used to hire people for Christmas, I'm talking around the 90s, that if you didn't hire a quarter million people in December, the adjustment still had, actually had you down or something. That, that December right, it's the, well, yeah, the adjusted numbers is, I mean, the, the December numbers are the most full of smelly stuff when it comes to the the seasonally adjustment, you know, things as, uh, I mean, that that's the worst of the year, without question. And then next month, we're gonna get we're gonna get the annual revisions on the non institutional population. That's the one that I'm really interested in because that's where that trend has been now for the last you know year or so. Uh, a nasty one that shows that uh, on the on the inside edge of the confidence band, about a half a million people uh, have uh, have just flat out disappeared out of the non institutional population, um, and uh, that the, the implication of that is obvious. So that uh, you know, there's only two ways you get on. Well three ways you get off that list. You can expatriate yourself or go to jail. Uh, the third one is you're, uh, you're pushing daisies. So the, um, the thing that's interesting about that is, is that January is the month in which we get the adjustment to that figure. And so next month will be the one where we find out whether or not the BLS has been gaming that all, all year or is, you know, is, is there something to it? But I mean, well, it's, it's it, basically what it means is that, it, it's, as I pointed out before, you have to be very careful doing any analysis that crosses that January number, uh, because there are frequently very large deltas in the December to January figure. Well, the, I mean, we've been doing this a while, Carol, and you've been looking at this longer before you met me, but having a household number up 650 and having a regular number up 199, it, that's about as big a spread as we've seen or I've seen. Yeah, it's huge, and it, but it's but it's not uncommon. And then the the non-adjusted numbers make sixty-five. Um, however, the the interesting so the unadjusted figures for November, December, and January are frequently negative. Okay, it's not it's not uncommon. And the largest negative number in terms of unadjusted figures is usually January, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Uh, you know, what, what happens in January? You fire all the people that you hired in, you know, in, in November to staff Christmas. Well, what, uh, the idea of 500,000 people coming out of the unemployed roles, that's, that's kind of a lot. Well, I don't believe, I mean, uh, look, the, the, the NILF number is, is up on an unadjusted basis. So I'm not buying that, uh, you know, that adjusted figure at all. I think that's a load of BS. Well, don't, isn't, haven't they, I'll use this term, even though it's probably not correct. I'm going to say, haven't they gotten lazy? And once you come off the uh, the actually getting an unemployment check, they assume that you're not looking for work anymore. They don't. That's that's how they count you in there. So, in other words, if if you and I got our 26 week check, I think well, we're we back to 26. I don't know if we are. Yeah, you come off that. You come off the yeah the unemployed number. So right. even if, even if you and I are are still busily looking for a job in week 27. We're not in the unemployed more. We're in. We're in. The, we don't know what they're doing. Number. Well, and and here's the. So if you look at the adjusted, the seasonally adjusted numbers, the unemployed number is down about five hundred. Uh, six six eight zero two to six three one nine. Right. That's exa- okay. The now this is the, in the adjusted column, and the and the non in labor force number on the seasonally adjusted number is down about fifty. 
Okay, on the unadjusted number, the not in labor force number is up five hundred. See, I, I got it down on the adjusted numbers. I, I went from ninety nine million nine oh two to ninety nine million eight forty two. So down, like right. you said, down fifty. Yeah, so down about you know sixty ish. Yeah, yeah. It, and but the thing is, is that if you look at the non adjusted from November to December, it's up five hundred. Okay. And the other thing that's interesting is the unemployed non-adjusted number went from 6302 to 5964. That's a huge drop and that's you know that's got to be people that rolled off. Right, that's what I'm thinking. They rolled off somehow. Yeah, they rolled off. I mean because when you look at the employed number on an unadjusted basis it's negative. Not by a lot, but it's negative. And the participation rate on an unadjusted number was down two ticks. And we, we're only up, uh, how many people? We're up not even 900,000 people in a year. That's kind of, I, I, I actually heard something. Well, that's, well, yeah, 906 is the, is the, including the December, including that January adjustment figure, which is, like I said, is always dangerous to include. Because th- that, that number, I mean, if you, if you want to look at this, the, the right way to do it is February to December, Ignore the GAN adjustment. I know that sounds weird, but if you want to look at trends over a year, that's what you got to do. If you're looking at year-over-year year trends, then obviously you include it. I was uh, listening the other day to, uh, you know, one of the guys on the news radio, and they, they were talking about the increase in population in the year. We're up to, I think, well, I think it was year. It might have been decade. I think it was year. But it seems like it's a lot that the, we're up to 7 billion people now worldwide, up 71 million people in the year, but the U.S. has barely grown at all. Well, the U.S. is, yeah, the U.S. is essentially, and this is this is the other interesting thing, is that, you know, I noted this dislocation in the figures um, back at the start, of, you know, first few months of 2021, and uh, I, I, it was in this table, it was in the BLS data where I saw it, and I said, eh, you know, this is, I mean, it, it, this is not a good thing because the, the trend change happened exactly when we started doing something very specific. And, and yet this, this data, that particular series is quite noisy. And like I said, in January revisions tend to be very large on a percentage basis from the standpoint of, you know, the, the change year over year. And then you look at the January revision and you say, well, God, that was, you know, 15 or 20% of the whole. That's, you know, that's a monstrous revision. And so I, I tend to get very, you know, I, I hate looking at those things in, like, April and saying something's going on. <laughs> because because a good percentage of the time, you're going to be wrong. Well, Kyle, what, uh, the, the other number that always somewhat intrigues me, because talk about being able to be pushed around by the administration, um, isn't there a, uh, how can I, I'll set, this, I'll set the stage for this for just, just briefly here, that if, if you and I and Maddie decide to go out and we'll bring a listener with us, we decide we're going to build, 15 houses this year and we go get the property and as we st- we start building them as the year goes by and we start hiring electricians and you know, all kinds of people so we got we go from zero people working for us to 50 right and they, these are not going to be they're going to be 1099 employees and we're not going to the, the government's not going to know about them until basically next january we send in our copy of the 1099 right well, well in theory they will but in practice people don't pay quarterly so yeah um well, we, we, we don't have to report quarterly. They, they might. 
but they're, but they're supposed to. Right. But, the, but a lot of the, I mean, if you've been doing it for a while, you're supposed to because otherwise you're going to get pounded with a with a penalty. The first year you don't, but beyond that, yeah, you will. Well, if it, not to get too detailed, but if you had another job and you just told them to just take extra, then you don't have to. Right. Well, then, well, yeah, yeah then you wouldn't show up until that. Yeah. So, but, but in theory, there, there's there's always going to be people like that. Ten right. guys, guys you hire for computers, guys you hire for maybe houses, whatever it is. So when I, that's why I've always made a claim, and I don't know if you disagree with me, is when when the economy is going pretty good and growing, it's actually growing faster than you think it is. Right. And, and when it's and when it's going in the crapo, it's actually going in the crapo faster than you think it is. And, right. The, the slippage is both directions. Yeah. Yes. But it, absolutely. So, but where would you put us? But there's an adjustment once a year the government does for those kinds of people too when they say it's called a uh, it's like a business adjustment where businesses are, businesses you don't count are actually hiring versus businesses you don't count are actually selling or selling laying off or downsizing whatever you want to call it uh, reduction in force all these terms are, are interesting aren't they but where, where, where would you put that number right now is it growing or not um, no I think well I think it's shifting Okay, and, and the, the other thing is, though, is that what, what's also happening, and you can see it in the data, is there's the, there's always a tension between labor and management. I mean, it's, it's always been there, always be there. I, we, you know, you used to see it in the, in the, you know, in the union strikes and stuff in the 1970s and things like that. But it's, but it's always present. There's always, you know, there's a guy who's been on both sides of the desk. It, it never ever disappears, but we have with with all the the restrictions and mandates and 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 other things. And then on top of that, when we shut everything down originally in early 2020, and we sent everybody home. And we always people working from home. We we put into the marketplace by government fiat and and the direct consent of employers. The, the concept that you could kind of retire but still show up and draw a check. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and so there is a productivity hit that comes from that, and there's the soft, passive-aggressive kind of pushback that, that is there within the employment realm that I, I, it doesn't get captured in the, you know, in these statistics, and yet it's there. I mean, you know, if you look at I mean, if I if I look at the formal unemployment rate, okay, the formal unemployment rate supposedly is three nine, right? That's I mean, that's that's what they just said. the The last time that we saw a three nine, I'm looking at it here, was February of nineteen, when we went from four zero to three eight, um, and there was a three nine in twenty eighteen twelve as well. So I mean, right right around that area. But we, uh, you know, we ticked down another five ticks, um, or well, four ticks. Uh, in February 2020, just before all the lockdowns started, we had a three-five. So I mean, if you're if you're believing the government's numbers, we're we're essentially back to where we were in early 2019. If if you're buying their, you know, what they're selling. Now the the thing that's that's interesting is that when you look at the you know the employed numbers, uh, you know one five five seven three two on an unadjusted basis. Well, where did we see that? Well, about the same place, uh, twenty nineteen oh two. Well, the last time we were down here, 
over the last decades, we were down 4%. You weren't tripping over homeless people in the middle of the street. No, you weren't. And that's, and, and that's the thing, though, is that when you look at the, the actual environment around you, it doesn't look like that, does it? No, it really does not. And you kind of so wonder. That's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, your lion eyes are, are, I mean, you know, you can publish whatever you want. But, you know, the last time I drove through downtown Chicago, there were tents up underneath the overpasses. There's three guys, there's three when tents. When I lived there, I had never seen that. There's three tents right next door to the fire station here, next to us. Right. I, I, yeah, and you know what? I mean, there were always the bums on Lower Wacker. But these are young, these are young, these are young people. These are young people. These are not, you know, people in their 50s, 60s with, you know, drugged out and nowhere to go. These are young people that are, that I, are employable. I know. I know. It's, uh, I don't, I'm, I guess the, uh, I was having kind of a debate the other day with the, uh, wasn't on the air, uh, it was with somebody and I said, you know, this, the, the, these numbers become kind of useless, Carl, if we don't, if we don't, well, we had Professor Goodhart, one of these days I'd like to get the poor, poor guy back on, uh, where he said, what, well, anytime a, an economic statistic becomes a target, it ceases to be, useful as, as a statistic or something along those lines. Right. And, uh, I mean, I look at this, this CPI number, and I know I, I reel on this all the time, but if if somebody were to, I mean, I, I have a job, so I don't need another job, uh, but if somebody were to hire me as a consultant and said, hey, you're you're old enough, you know you know how to put together an escalation clause in a, in a, in a you know, design and build contract. Well, yeah, I can do that. Right. Actually, I still have a couple of my house. I could just dig them out. And I don't know what do we have to think of it. I could I write them down verbatim. So if you copy from something that's 40 years old, is that still copying like a test in school? I think I'd probably get away with that. You think? Nobody know? Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I suspect so. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. But, but my point is, I, I explained to these guys, I said, you know, I said, when we used to do it, you didn't, maybe we were just young and dumb and naive, you didn't question the numbers. You didn't, you didn't, when I called up the guys from Boston, I didn't say, wow, the inflation was one and a half percent this quarter. Our $60 million contract is now, what would that be? $60 million, 90,000, right? And they'd say, yeah. oh, they'd say, okay, we got the same calculation. Talk to you in 90 days. You know, that, that, that's how long the conversation was. And then the, the, whoever did the contract, the, the, you know, the controller, the legal guy put it in there and say, here's our contract. And we'd put the, I didn't do the actual paper adjustments, I did the calculations and, but I don't even know today, if you ask me to put one of those together, my, my biggest single concern is, wait a minute, I'm not using the CPI. I mean, the CPI was up 10% in whatever the hell year it was, 77 or 78, was probably very close to how much our cost of the uh, materials were, the labor was, and all that stuff. And Oh, by the way, we turned around and passed through that to those guys. Right, right, and uh, so they got they got theirs. But uh, I even thought way back then, Carl. I mean, trying to look forward, even when I was young, I say, wait a minute, the, the poor lighting guy for the lights, which is not a, it's not it's not the trucks or the air conditioners or the seats, but it's a reasonable amount of the car. I mean, it's something. Uh, and he didn't have he didn't have one in his. So I'm saying, after three years, I'll bet he made nothing. If he maybe he had enough, you know, enough. I don't think these guys, they went out for bid. I, I don't think there was like a, a 40% markup on this stuff. Maybe there was. But, I mean, the, the prices right. in the, the prices during the time of the, of the uh, contract were up 25%. Or maybe maybe he bought his stuff early enough where he didn't get hit that hard. But I'm going to say he he didn't make any dough. Or the guys with the trucks and the seats and the air conditioners, 
they at least kept pace. But the thought never crossed my mind, Carl, that, oh, the CPI is up 10, but that's not cutting it. The stuff that goes in the air conditioner is really up 40, you know, or something like that. And, but now, I mean, uh, you know, I, this CPI is so screwed up, you, you can't tell me. What, what if we decided, I mentioned earlier, that we decided we we're going to build, you know, 10 houses a year for somebody for the next 10 years and gave somebody kind of a price three or four years ago. Well, first of all, I was hoping well, you can't. if I was part of that group, I wouldn't be that stupid. But uh, I'd have to, I'd have to bring my experience to bear and say, hey, we, we need a, but, but so what, Carl? So, so now we're going to get a, a 5% adjustment after five years. They finally are admitting to 5% inflation when our lumber prices have doubled. We'd still be screwed. The numbers are no good. I don't even know what I'd use. Well, that's a, that's one of the things that I you know that I've pointed out is that there's one of the severe dangers of an inflationary environment like this where you can't forecast is that anything that has a lead time and and we've made this a hundred times worse by offshoring supply chains and lengthening them so that you know you order your stuff in January and it shows up in June because it's got to be made in China and then put on a ship and shipped over here or whatever. When you have this kind of an inflationary environment, it becomes impossible to forecast those costs and put those costs out there in advance. Well, without that, you can't price. Well, that's right. Or else so, you're going to short so term. How do you, yeah, so, so what do you do? You tell the guy that wants to buy, you know, well, I mean, look at what's happened to lumber. This yeah. is a, you know, one example, all right? You give somebody a price for a house, but guess what? You don't, you know, you can't get the framing. If, if you're somewhere where you can't have that stuff laying outside, what are you going to do? It takes time to put the foundation in. Until you do that, you don't need the lumber. Well, I mean, the, 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 stuff, the stuff like, uh, well, I mean, I was doing remodeling in my place. I mean, I know how much. I, mean, I put, I put the, uh, these decks, I, I redid all the decks over the garage and everything else, Carl. Right. And I got, you know, I, don't, I, I bet the lumber would be double now. Um, but I spent, uh, I'm going to say I spent, because I, you know, I, I want to do the job right, right? So I got. Stainless steel screws. I wasn't going to use nails. I bet. I bet. I spent fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred bucks on, on on screws. I'm going yeah. to. I'm going to say that's three grand now. Yeah. Or twenty eight hundred, something like that. I mean, you can't even. You couldn't begin to have, have given somebody a price five years ago using the CPI and not be broke. Oh no! Well, I well I I re roofed my gazebo when I lived in Florida. Did it myself. Tore it, tore it all the way, tore the decking off because it was it was trashed, and and it was done poorly originally, and redid it the correct way. And uh, you know, I, I just went and bought the materials as I as I needed them. Okay, but if I had been tried to, if if I tried in today's environment to do that on a well, you know, okay, now I need to go buy the plywood for the decking, and you know, but I had priced it to somebody else three months earlier. Oh my lord. <laughs> Well, yeah, you can, there's no way, but or you'd have to find a place, and you can in Chicago. I mean, if you were going to build something, I can still find a plasterboard house to go get the stuff. And if I have a truck, I pick it up. I mean, I mean, you, you can't be at the mercy of Home Depot. I mean, or, or those guys. I mean, good lord. I mean, if that's you, if that's you, if you're at the mercy of those people, you're out of your mind. I mean, yeah, and that's just one of the things that you know. That's what happens though in an inflationary environment is that anything that beca- that has a lead time, and the longer the lead time is, the worse it gets. It becomes impossible to put to put an actual price on the table. What you end up doing is saying, "Well, here's the price today for completion today, and oh by the way, here's an escalator." Or it, you everything becomes cost plus. Well, yeah, we got a dash here, Carl, but on our first show. 
I think I said, the last thing you want is concentration, concentration, monopoly, cartel, and then inflation on top of that. If you want to eviscerate your population, that's the way to do it. Isn't that what we're doing? That's what we got. Take care of yourself, buddy. Have a good weekend. SP Futures now down 11 after these numbers. NSA Futures 89. We didn't stay up very long. Uh, we'll see if we get the rug pulls out today or we come back. Let you all know about it on Monday. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.